Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jacqueline Boschniak. I'm the Q Department and, uh, CEO of Q Department uh, Studios. We're a music and sound design production company. Uh, last year, we founded a sound technology company called Mark One um, that's, that's focused on virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, we got into VR because we featured both our craft and our technology on the Martian VR, which is a 25-minute VR experience created by Fox Innovation Lab um, for Ridley Scott that Robert Stromberg from the virtual reality company directed. Um, and it was through that that we sort of really got involved in VR. Um, besides that, we've done things for Verse like Catatonic, which is a horror movie. And we're currently in production of um, Oculus Story Studios' next uh, VR film called Dear Angelica. Um, so we've patented some of our technology, and we're in the process of building tools that allow professionals to seamlessly work in this medium. Um, so I was really excited that NAB decided to focus on a panel that was uh, VR audio, because I think it's often overlooked, as all my panelist friends can agree. Um, the fact that they would also have a woman host it was also pretty cool. <laughs> um, right? <laughs> Thank you, NAB. <laughs> Um, I was a little intimidated given um, the panelists, but um, VR audio allows the viewer to inhabit a persistent simulated universe where consistency and quality control maintains that suspension of disbelief. Presence is a feeling of being in a place depicted in the VR environment that you know you're not really there, but there's a strong illusion of being in that place, even though you have a sure knowledge that you're not really there. Audio creates at least 50% of that magic. Sound is in a large part responsible for maintaining that suspension of disbelief. Immersion is disrupted if there is inconsistencies, latencies, or fluctuation in sound. And these are some of the things we'll be discussing on this panel and key issues that we focused on as we develop new workflow tools for the new medium of VR. In VR, I've learned that all planning is arrogant and you need to iterate and reiterate. Q Department and Mark One had to science the shit out of VR to actually do the Martian. <laughs> um, through that and working with people like Robert Stromberg and Ridley Scott, we were able to realize that there were no rules, that we we're on basically the digital trenches of the new frontier. And I think that everybody on this panel is secretly uh, likes being on that edge, and I think that's where what next happens. And, and on, that note, on that note, I'd like to ask each of my panelists to introduce themselves, starting with David. All right, hi, my name is Dave Corsello. I'm a uh, researcher at DTS in the VR Audio Research Group. Um, before before I, was, I started there, I was actually, my, I had a DSP background, but um, of all things, I was actually working um, live theater design. Um, but since my time in joining DTS, I've worked a lot on research and development of the spatial audio models that bring our 3D audio solution to life, and then now we're extending that uh, to support all the needs for, for VR. Um, and I'm just as excited to hear our discussion as you hopefully are. Yuri. <laughs> is this on? Yes. My name is Yuri Hoopanemi. I'm with Nokia Technologies. I head up the Forms and Platforms team. Um, I've been working in spatial audio for a couple of decades. Uh, now, for Nokia, we are investing heavily into immersive multimedia and VR. And um, now it's great to be in an audio panel. And what you just said about 
audio being 50% of the uh, experience, uh, we just came up with a product, uh, Ozo, which is a virtual reality camera. Uh, I have it here with me. So to um, prove the point of the importance of audio, we have eight cameras and eight microphones. So it is 50%. So we're working on uh, VR cameras, uh, enabling technologies for VR. We've been doing a lot of productions here at NAB, including live streaming of VR with multiple cameras and very exciting uh, audio solutions. Thanks. I'm Nicholas Singos. I'm uh, with Dolby. Um, and I'm leading a group uh, at Dolby that looks into VR and AR explorations. Uh, previously, I was one of the main contributors to our new Dolby Atmos format for cinema, and I've been kind of, you know, following that format for the past few years as it went through cinema and, and the home. Um, and now, as part of that new group, um, I went back to more uh, exploratory stuff as uh, into AR and VR. We see AR and VR as a really a great new uh, opportunity as well as challenge for, for audio and the new formats um, that, that are going to emerge uh, and all the new features that it requires in terms of both, you know, creativity, flexibility, um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm Tim Gettimer, uh, CEO of Source Sound out of Los Angeles. I'm, uh, I, I guess, more on the creative side. Uh, I work with the, the technology people who are, who are much, much smarter than I am and uh, uh, try and uh, use the tools that are uh, given to us uh, by these amazing uh, technicians and engineers uh, to creatively uh, use those with, uh, uh, with our, our clients uh, in Los Angeles and Hollywood in general. Our background is in feature film, sound design, and uh, mixing, as well as uh, game-oriented uh, 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 sound, cinematics, uh, and, uh, and in-game materials, so uh, we... Uh, saw that VR is, uh, is a true convergence of the interactive and the, and, the, and the linear. Finally, we've been waiting around for this for quite a long time. So uh, it was very clear that we needed to uh, do everything in our power to try and lead in this area of, uh, of creating sound for virtual reality. Yeah. Hi, my name is Jean-Pascal Baudouin. You can say JP from now on. It's less embarrassing for everyone. Um, I'm um, director of sound technology at Felix and Paul Studios. Um, so we mainly focus on uh, immersive um, VR, right? And uh, we also co I also co-founded a studio called Edspace Studio, which is entirely focused on audio for VR. Thank you. Um, I remember the first time I experienced VR, um, a director from Verse named Guy Charlodine came to our offices and gave us a headset, which we saw the first iteration of Catatonic, which is a horror movie you experience in a wheelchair. I don't know if any of you have experienced it. Okay. Um, I remember after experiencing that, thinking about it not so much as an experience or movie that I'd seen, but as a memory. And that really impacted me. And basically, after that experience, I felt that as a storyteller or people that help storytellers tell story, we could not ignore this medium. It was just too powerful. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, um, at what point or after what experience did you know you were going to focus on VR? And maybe I'll start with you, JP. 
Um, the first piece we did was about three years ago. It's called Strangers with Patrick Watson, who's a singer-songwriter. And at that time, um, the, the Kickstarter campaign, Polymer's Kickstarter campaign, had just ended, and we, we, we'd got a, a headset. And Felix and Paul told me, listen, JP, we, we think we can, we can make this work full 360 stereo, but we need sound. It was like, okay, you know, it's, it's not an easy, easy problem to tackle. And my background is being an architect, so I've always been fascinated by space. And as a sound mixer, I always felt frustrated with, with mixing in, in 2D, and even surround was sort of a poor man's space. And so we got into binaural audio, and then when we add that first experience together, and we, we, we could hear it and, and be in that environment. It was incredibly exciting. And, and then we went to South by Southwest and met with, uh, with Brendan and, and, um, and the team at Oculus. And, and sh that was before the Facebook uh, deal. And they were so thrilled and excited that it's sort of since then, it's just that was the magic moment, I would say. And then it's been pretty cool from, from that moment on. Hey, Tim, did you have a similar experience? Uh, I did, actually. There was a, there, it really was the first time that I'd ever seen anything like that was the moment. So uh, I got a call from Dolby saying, hey, we're working with this company called Jaunt. They've got this prototype camera that they've put this little thing together, and they need some sound. Are you interested in talking to them about it? I said, well, I don't, I don't know. We're really busy, <laughs> you know? Let me see what you got. And so I flew up to San Francisco to take a look at what they had. And the second that I saw it, I mean, literally, it was instantaneous. We've got to do this immediately. So it was, it was right. And I think the first, it was, uh, it was uh, like a little monster, you know, uh, uh, clip, if you will, of a guy you know, in a monster suit. It was, it was just a test. Uh, Kaiju Fury, I think, is what it, it ended up being in the end. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was a simple. A uh, piece of production, very you know, uh, small uh, and humble uh, production, but it did not matter. It was obviously <coughs> clear. You right sold from, right from the get-go. Yeah. Okay, um, Nicholas, um, you said that Dolby, uh, you have like a small research team that's dedicated to VR and AR. Um, at what point did that happen, and was it something that you you brought to the table, or personally was there some sort of pivotal point where you experienced something in VR and really started dedicating yourself towards doing stuff in VR? Well, I would say for a lot of us in the, in the technology side of things, um, you know, spatial audio and a lot of, you know, the, the technologies that are required for, for VR, um, you know, we've been, we've been experimenting with those for, for a long time, and I'm sure you, you're the same for you, um, you know, in the lab. And so I would say for me, VR was like, you know, Actually, seeing VR being democratized was really, I think, what a lot of people in, in special you were, were waiting for in some sense. Yeah. You know, as a company, Dolby, of course, has been working on special audio for, you know, decades. Um, and so it appeared kind of naturally out of that move, I would say, of that recent move of VR uh, outside of the lab and into, finally, into the hands of consumers and having, you know, content creators starting to look at that, at that you know, new medium to tell stories, to create new experiences. You know, back in the days in your lab, it was you know, little cubes and little spheres in OpenGL, or it was mm -hmm. you know, maybe tied to some data visualization, which you know, in itself is cool. But I mean, it's not really telling stories. It really, doesn't have the same impact. 
So I think that was really the, that pivotal moment where, you know, I think for, for technology companies like Dolby and, and especially companies that, you know, whose purpose is to support content creators, um, I think that's where that, that pivotal moment happened. That, oh, now it can, can be in the hands of consumers. People can tell stories with that medium. And that's mm -hmm. a good time to really look into it. Okay. Um, Yuri, I'm sure yours is more also based just on the fact that it's mobile. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about how you. Yeah, so um, this is a new era for VR. And obviously, VR has existed in synthetic. We've had special audio solutions uh, for synthetic content for, for a long time. Now, for me, the revelation was really when we started talking about authentically capturing and transmitting presence. So having the visual and audio capability to do that either offline or real time. And really, we're now at a point where the capture, the processing, the rendering solutions, as well as the creative side are, are merging. So all the elements are in place. For us, this is about two years ago when a couple of our engineers started working on this type of a camera solution. And it was really a grassroots effort. They proved that you can actually do it. You can have a single device that can capture presence. And then we started working on you know, the product around it. And to me, that was just a marvelous journey from a very small effort growing into a real product that we're now shipping and seeing VR industry growing as, as we speak. So truly amazing. David? Well, I definitely think I echo sort of like the, you know, the, from the technology perspective, it's a second coming in a way, but now it's actually more accessible. And whenever it started to become obvious that there was mass market traction, whether it was with Oculus or Google Cardboard or you know Gear VR, is obvious. It was kind of like, of course. And now you just have to basically build it out. I mean, yeah. you need to work with people to understand how you can best sort of implement it. But all the tools are there. They've been there for, you know, I don't know, 20 years before I started working in it. Uh, but all the pieces have been there. Now they're coming together in a way that you can put it in people's hands and I guess on their face. Yeah, yeah, we kind of forget that VR had its first iteration in the early 90s. Although that was connected more to psychedelia than, than monetization. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, I know uh, when Qtapartin started working on the Martian VR, um, we thought we were all set. We we're gonna use certain middleware that allowed us to work um, with the development team at virtual reality company. Um, and soon they upgraded to a unreleased version of Unreal Engine, and all our middleware didn't work. And we were like, oh shit. Um, and it was sort of necessity is the mother of invention in a way. We landed up having to create our own tools that allowed us to deliver the level of quality we wanted on the project. Obviously it was a very high profile project. We were working with Ridley Scott, Fox Innovation Lab, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, I want to ask you guys, like, um, where does virtual reality currently stand in terms of audio, and what tools and platforms have you currently developed, or on the artist front, are you currently using? I'll start with David. Yes. Um, so I think that the tools, like, you know, even though it's a, sort of a second coming, it's still, the way it's being executed now is still in its infancy. So at, at DTS, we're basically, we're taking, you know, right now we're basically listening to people, what people need and what they, what they want out of a tool. Because it's not as simply as easy as sort of rehashing, you know, say like an object-based tool and kind of slapping a VR label on it. Like it has to be rethought in a way. 
compared to you know sort of conventional 2D film, there's a bit of a paradigm shift. There's the obvious perspective shift. I mean, you know, in gaming, you you're used to first-person perspective, but compared to film production, obviously, you're completely shifting that. And so I think conceptually, there are a lot of things to think about there to sort of build tools that translate the fundamental technologies that we have now into something that is sort of can fulfill the story, basically. Okay. Nicholas, would you agree with that, like, in terms of what Dolby's doing? Yeah, well, I, I would agree with that. I mean, of course, there's a, um, I mean, we feel that there are, you know, different approaches you can take to, to you know, telling your audio story in VR. Um, and that, you know, some of the technologies, especially some of the more recent ways of delivering audio, you know, through, through objects, for instance, is really well suited. I think VR brings a lot more flexibility than maybe film. And I think content creators really want that extra flexibility. Um, you know, you see mm -hmm. this with, you know, 360 video is but one way to tell VR stories. You see a lot of content creators now, you know, going to interactive platforms because they want to be able to move around that, that, that scene they're creating. Uh, they want the viewer to be able to walk around the scene to interact potentially with the, you know, with the actors. Uh, and that, bring actually, that brings actually a lot new way of thinking about, you know, about sound, uh, in some sense closer to maybe what game platforms would do, uh, but at the same time retaining some of the, the more linear, you know, higher amount of control that, you know, um, the cinematic, yeah. uh, you know, kind of creators um, would want. I mean, aren't games notorious for having less fidelity audio due to the requirements of what the visuals need? I'm sorry, say that again. In a, in a gaming sense, audio is less fidelity because they need more dedicated space, basically, to the visuals. Yeah, I'd counter that just for you. Really? Yeah. In, yeah. In, it's true in games, but in VR, uh, using game engines for VR, yeah, many of these uh, experiences don't have the same uh, dependencies on uh, CPU power that a, a full game has. So, in fact, what we're finding is, is that we can claim a whole lot more uh, resource. It's like liberation. For, for audio, yeah. uh, for interactive experiences in VR. Uh, it's been fantastic that way. They actually ask, well, how much CPU do you want? And we're looking around and saying, did you just ask us that question? <laughs> really? Good point. Okay, well, I'll take 35%. <laughs> and they're like, uh, okay, right? And when we're used yeah. to getting maybe eight, if yeah. we're lucky, we'll get eight, right? It, more like three, yeah. so you know. Yeah, so that's thirty-five. Uh, well, it, it, if you're making an experience that only is uh, has a certain, it only has one level essentially, it, and it only has a, a certain um, uh, level of complexity, but it's compelling. Why not use as much CPU power for for audio uh, reproduction as possible? And so we're we're digging into that. And grabbing our, you know, our share of the pie there while we can. I'm sure that as things get more sophisticated, they're going to keep pushing our buttons going back down the other way. But we're going to be, you know, right in there swinging Hopefully a not. bit more. Hopefully yeah, not. Protecting as much space as we can. I'm just going to let anybody answer these questions as they come up. Um, what sort of challenges have uh, you found presented to you on projects when you're working in, on audio and virtuality? Because it seems to be a very sort of 
unforgiving yeah. medium, like any sort of fluctuations or inconsistencies on sound really do take you out of the experience. So it does seem to be really important. Uh, it is. There's, there's one thing I wanted to tackle in regard to the, your previous question also. There's, um, it, it's a hybrid medium, and so we've got timeline-based VR, so 360 stereoscopic video, and then you've got experiences like Martian, which are interactive. Interactive, yeah. and I think it's it's coming it's coming along. The quality of control or a fidelity you can get out of a gaming engine, um, but what we actually need is is a bridge between these two worlds, and, and and it's like a metaphor for the medium itself, right? Everybody's asking, so what's cinematic VR? You know, is it is it is it a game? No, it's not a game. Is it linear cinema, but, but totally immersive? Perhaps, but it seems people want it to be much more than that. So the thing I'm exploring right now, I think we're, we're all exploring, is, is adding depth to the timeline. So stuff like focus, which you can, which you can do with ambisonics, for instance. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more things you can, you can explore along the timeline. But we need to be able to bring all the work, like what you record on location, treat this, bring it to a certain level, then take this and bring it, bring it into a gaming engine. And that, that's, that's the area for me where, where we need to explore. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. One more thing along those lines. The, we've been waiting for this to happen for so long. I mean, in the early 90s, we saw the interactive world and the feature film world were so separate, were so separate, and now, what we're seeing is the interactive people are coming to us to say, yeah, we want to work in Unreal or we want to work in Unity, but we want to play high-res video too, right? And then we've got the cinematic guys over here who say, yeah, we, we could shoot all this stuff in VR, but we want this interactivity part, right? So they're all just conver literally converging right in the center of needing interactivity and uh, high-quality video playback in the same space. And that has been a real challenge over the last couple of months just to get something like that to happen. I would add to that, I totally agree, and, you know, different ways of storytelling. And one of the challenges always is then, you know, the widely varying playback environments, you know, from mobile to all the way to dedicated HMDs, how to create that platform that is consistent, you have multi-platform support for audio, and that's it's still early days, and that's something we're also working on to enable. Yeah, it seems like there's no standards, there's no best practices. This has all sort of been happening right now. It seems like we're web design circa 1993, you know, where you know, he had to do plenty of hacks. And what content producers, you know, they, they you know, we can talk about production later on, budgets, and, but you know, it's expensive to do a, a very high-end VR experience. They want their experience to um, be platform agnostic. Mm -hmm. that, that's the requirement, and right now we're really far from that, but I think all the industry understands that we need to go in that direction. So as far as audio goes, we will have to find some kind of common ground at some yeah. point. Um, of course, um, at least I believe there's a way to degrade gracefully an experience, you know, okay. to have extra features, all the interactivity on, on one, one um, headset or one platform and then at least get a good, compelling experience on a more democratized platform. Okay. Um, 
it seems like audio plays like a very different role in VR. Like I feel like our experience working with directors, like Robert Spromberg comes from sort of a production designer background, so he was really good at envisioning the sort of world that you could inhabit. But audio became a way to edit, it became a way to direct, and we realized that it's actually a very malleable tool. You can misdirect with it, you can direct people with it. And when you find yourself in VR, it's a sort of sandbox experience, and you need the viewer to become the protagonist, and you need him nudged in a certain direction for the story. Audio plays a pretty interesting role. If a door slams behind you, you're probably gonna turn around and look at it and walk that way to see what's happening. And so in our experience working on the various different titles that we've done, we've found that there's a very different role of audio and it's also happening way earlier in pre-production, even on the script and the way you deal with the script. Like we want, suddenly wanted to know what surfaces were in the script. Like is it a metal object? Is he throwing a wooden object? Like all these extra information that we needed, that we didn't normally need. Um, I'm wondering if you guys had any experience like that, um, either on the technology side, working with, with directors and content creators. Like I know, um, Nokia, you've worked with Marco Brambilla, a great uh, fine artist recently. Um, so both, on both sides, like have you seen audio playing a very different role than it does in Hollywood? Let me help you with that one, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> you can go ahead, Tim, What's interesting about your question is that how audio's role uh, may be different, but I think what's happening and what we've started doing is, is our role as an audio professional is different. There's, there's this uh, sense about um, a, a VR uh, experience that you just hit it right on the head, which is that it has to start at the script level, talking about sound, and you know, there are it's, it's, it's like when you make a cinematic piece and you have a story to tell and you have a script, they have to work in sound into that script if they really expect to have a good VR experience. And so what we're doing now, instead of offering ourselves as post-production professionals, which is traditionally where audio gets involved after all the things have been shot, after the directors and the editors have put their pieces together and conceptualized everything, and then all of a sudden, we get this you know, apparently fully formed idea that we haven't seen yet and we haven't had any influence over. But now we're, staying, we're more selling ourselves as audio directors. And when somebody comes to us with a project, we say we are here from day one and we have to be involved at the script level all the way through to final product uh, playback. And so we're advising at, in, at every step of the way what you need to be doing with audio in order for it to be, in the end, a great experience. Mm -hmm. And quality control has become a big part of our company, at least. Like, that was not something that we did before. Because right. you can do a great job in audio, but if the playback system doesn't work, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or it works poorly, yeah. I think one... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're, you're, you're yeah, so... I was coming back to that wide variety of the playback platforms. That is definitely one, one challenge we face. We've, um, now we've started working on, especially the capture side, there's kind of different, different views depending on the use case and the, the way you want to tell the story. So one way is to divide into offline productions or live productions and the role of audio. The feedback on the need for high quality spatial audio 
that we've been getting throughout the development and now you know getting the product out has, has been tremendous so the role of audio clearly increasing uh, just as an example live streaming of VR uh, what we've been doing now even this week for music for performances consistently the role of spatial audio so doing full 3d reproduction uh, just amazing so that kind of that feedback that that real user feedback of what the role of audio in VR will be and needs to be has been very encouraging. And the same we've seen in the offline productions that we've been mm -hmm. doing with Ozo uh, for, for various uh, purposes, so very good. And I, and I think it's also becoming really clear that we have to support you know, all these different sort of intake methods. You talk about how it has to be, support different platforms on the output side, but there's so much to take in the input side, just depending on the application, if it's Live capture, you might have you know, scene-based capture, you might have individual objects recorded, somehow find a way to track their position. Sometimes there's also direct to binaural recording, so all these things sort of have to be supported from the get-go, sort of planned in, and actually part of the architecture that they can be edited as much as possible for whatever particular format it is and propagated through production to reproduction. So, I mean, it gets pretty, it's a pretty complicated tree of things. Yeah, I think it's a great time to be in the VR industry in general right now because there's so many, many sort of handshakes happening across tables, like people laying out crumbs for other people to follow. It's almost like nobody's a competitor, everybody's just sharing information and it happens on the level of different music studios collaborating, different technology companies. Um, and I'm wondering, like you guys have all had quite a bit of time working in the space. What do you have a vision for what your ultimate VR playback system would be in terms of audio now? Uh, are there, are there things that you have that you're happy with that you've found a path, or are there things that you have a clear vision you wish you had? And if that piece was just missing, like a panner that did something um, specific? Or are you talking about production or sort of the reproduction, the actual uh, like listener side? Uh, production. Okay. I think well, this applies probably to both of those, but personalization is really important if we're talking about sort of, um, you know, HRTF or head-related transfer function sort of based um, methods or, or rendering methods because, you know, how you heard it when you guys were mixing it depended on your characteristics of your head by the time it gets to the end user and their particular head size and ear size and uh, headphones, even the headphones you're using, it could be significantly different. So I think the, play the production and the playback Engine actually has to be able to compensate for all of those things in an okay. ideal world. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, I would say it's really about optimizing the user experience. So, from an audio perspective, uh, the ideal is obviously a rich, full 3D playback, uh, which is irrespective. So, the quality degrades gracefully if you have a lower cost smartphone versus a full blown head mounted display with, uh, with rich audio. And I think the scalability and understanding the requirements that come from those platforms, uh, transmission requirements, uh, formats, et cetera, is, is the holy grail. And we're nowhere near, but I think, you know, a lot of interest in that and working on capabilities to enable it very soon. Okay. Yeah, I think working on, working on tools to uh, really help uh, mixers in particular, um, you know, automatically, um, position the sounds where they want. Um, I think when you compare it to, to, to traditional movie content creation, you know, mixers in movies, they, they, their main concern is what's happening on screen. That's where, you know, really 
you know, the story takes place. And then when it goes to surround, well, you know, they may welcome the, you know, the ideal resolution that your formats offer. And, uh, but, you know, still the screen is the, is the center of the story. Um, in VR, it's the, the screen is all around you. So, I mean, there's actually a lot of effort they have to spend, you know, to position sound, to direct the attention of the, of the end user. So having that um, more, you know, integrated, easier, um, you know, as was mentioned before, uh, being able to ingest different uh, formats or different, um, um, you know, microphone techniques and fuse them into something that's um, consistent, a consistent representation that can be carried all the way, you know, to the end user and then, you know, rendered uh, at the end point based on, you know, the different level of, of complexity of those endpoints. I think that's really, you know, maybe really what's, what's missing today. It's that kind of ease of, of use and that notion that you could bring all these different sources and, um, and carry them all the way, um, all yeah. the way to the end point. I think it's important. To, although we can, we can look at ideally what we want, where we're going to have, but, but we're, we're in a situation where we, we mix projects right now and we want that quality now. And to me, it's important to, that every player in the field understand the base feature that we need when we do VR. And one of them is, of course, everybody's talking about spatial audio. And it's, of course, it's paramount. It's, it's super important in head tracking. But I need to be able to play stereo static audio at the same time, right? I, there's no way I can, we can step back on what we already have in, in cinematic vocabulary and say, well, sorry, but your score is, is going to be diegetic now. It's going to be in that space, although it makes absolutely no sense, or that VO is spatialized. It doesn't make sense. The, the user is going to, going to look for that person in that space. And you know, if you want to get into the, the artistry of it, if you want to carry storytelling arcs, you, you need those, that vocabulary, those tools. So, like Google this week uh, announced that, that YouTube supports B format. That's an amazing news. But one of the things, I'm sure you do it as well. I, I, I talk with everyone and I try to, to make sure that those things, don't, like those base features, get implemented for everyone to use them or less. I, I feel we're going to lose in, um, in, in the quality of the experience. And we don't want that, right? Wow. Um, I had a question, and we've been. Um working with Oculus Story Studios, and they've developed this tool, Quill, um, and it's allowed artists to actually create the movie inside the VR experience. And that sort of led me to think, like, is this maybe something that in the future we might be mixing audio inside the VR engine? As, and are any of you thinking about those kind of tools, maybe gestural uh, devices that we can mix inside the engine while you have the headset on you? Case tracking. If, if, you can, if you can track, I spend so much time, and I, I'm sure the same for you, uh, repositioning objects in space. Like, of course, it's, it's improving, but you know, it's, it's way too long. If I can just, through gaze tracking, you know, look at an object and then just give me that data and feed that parameter in my, in my spatializer. And do you have tools that do that now, or could they be better? Of course, they could be better, you know, but since nobody's doing it, we have, like you guys did with Mac One, you have to develop your own tools, and what's great is that these guys are now, are now really committed to that medium and developing great tools, so. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to maybe get a, a few questions from the audience, just to mix it up a little bit. Does anybody have any questions at this point? Hi there, uh, Greg Panos from the Virtual Reality Sourcebook. Um, I find it nearly impossible to find specialized audio anywhere that streams on the internet. So I, I have a lot of experience setting up six-channel sound systems, you know, for home theater and just for my own enjoyment. But it's just so such a, such a minefield of things to try to figure out just to get that working in an everyday environment. Uh, and I spoke to the guys at the Fraunhofer booth in the VR exhibits, and they said they have some, some kind of new audio codec and the like. Um, what do you see happening in terms of the evolution of usability for just regular, everyday, non-technical people, uh, other than people like myself who can you know, figure this stuff out, to experience spatialized audio, uh, let alone streaming, navigable, positional audio that is important to VR? Certainly, one of, the, one of the challenges going on right right now is even even us professionals struggle to get the tech right uh, just to hear something back that we've done or that we need to reference or, or what have you. So I think in the near future, you're going to see you know some settling of that a little bit, at least to the extent where you can have an Oculus, you can go to a, a portal, you can click on something, and it will play back the way it's supposed to play back. This has been a huge effort uh, that has been going on for months and months for uh, various corporations who desire to be the portal that everybody goes to. But in the end, there are going to be many, many portals. And, uh, and it's, I don't know how, I don't, I don't have the crystal ball about how much time it's going to take for that to settle down a little bit. But uh, because there are no standards and because there are many companies who would want to vie for that standard, whatever it is, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a bit of a, a format war, I'm sure. What uh, standards are you interested in? Well, you don't want to say. <laughs> on, on my side? Uh, oh, well, how about standardization of headphones, number one, right? There's a headphone, uh, there's how, how many headphones on the market? 500 of them, and none of them have, uh, you know, the same EQ curve built into them at the manufacturer as the next one. So you can have a great experience on that pair of headphones and a crappy experience on that pair of headphones from the same piece of medium, uh, media playing back from the same uh, portal. This, this is a problem for our industry. Yeah. Do you recommend any specific headphones? I, you know, we're product we're, placement. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> currently, yeah, we're currently working with several different manufacturers on the on the headphone side. I, you know, I want to run. You're not saying. Good answer. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Well, the, I think one of, one of the interesting things, to get back to your question, um, there's been, and correct me, but Dolby AC4, MPEG-H, and you guys at DTS have your own uh, upcoming standards as a right. body of standards, but it's, it's been ongoing for at least 10 years to get that new format that, we able, that, we able, that will be able to carry channel-based, object-based, and wow, magic, iOrder, and B-Sonics audio. So, you know, whatever the, so the magic with that is that whatever the output um, system you want it on, if it's, you know, 5.1 system or those new uh, Dolby Atmos uh, home theater or just a pair of headphones, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they will output in the best way possible for your, uh, your setup. So I think that's encouraging. And that was way before VR. Yeah, I would say VR, 
does have specific needs that only are emerging now. And what, what we told earlier is really the platform requirements and ultimately what the users would like to get. So I would challenge and say that HOA, higher order ambisonics uh, clearly will not be implementable on all platforms. So it's not necessarily the optimal solution for VR. You need to look at scalability, fallback, so that it will gracefully degradate and you know, play back. And, and that's why there is no de facto format. Not for video, not for audio. So there will be further development that will be more suitable for the needs of VR. That's my prediction. Thank you. Thank you for your time, guys. Um, my question is, someone like myself who's well-versed in traditional cinematic sound design and mixing, where should someone like myself, and I'm sure many others here, start to focus our energy on learning about spatialized audio and these tools that you're going to be using to create these environments? Where, where, where should someone like myself start you know, to learn what all these new tools like FMOD and things like that? Uh, what do you guys think? Well, some of the game engine, uh, you know, FMOD-wise, uh, um, you know, uh, middleware uh, companies are, are very well established, and, and they have uh, lots of tutorials online, mm -hmm. uh, plenty of uh, video uh, tutorials and whatnot for you to, you know, to dig into and learn about. Uh, you know, it's only one aspect. The, uh, some of what we're talking about here is uh, uh, really, <laughs> as JP has said, it, it, you know, we've had to hack our way through this process, and you probably have to do some of that too. There's, there's no, you know, silver bullet solution out there where you can say, oh, we're going to go to this manufacturer. They've got the silver bullet. I need to learn this, this tool, and I'll be good to go. Right. Uh, it just doesn't operate that way. So you have to immerse yourself in the, in the culture, and, and, uh, you know, and derive information from people like that are in this room. And uh, up on this panel, and uh, ask questions, and you know, talk to uh, people t that can help you along the way. If you have a project that you are trying to accomplish and you don't know how to do it, give us a call. You know, we're on the internet. You can get our phone number and say, "Hey, how do I do this? Uh, help me out." Uh, and and you know, we can point you in the right direction and say, "You need to learn about these couple of things. Uh, go for it." But right now, uh, there's just it's a difficult thing. I don't I don't know of a real easy way to do that. I also think that a studio in this sort of scenario has become more of a lab. So, you know, I do agree that you have to just keep trying everything and seeing what works and, you know, find a director or somebody who's creating this that needs help with sound that's also learning and learn together. Right. Um, that's a great you know, download an app, start looking at everything, seeing what sounds good, what doesn't sound good, and see what they used. What's encouraging, though, is that you've got real tools coming, like Dolby Atmos VR is coming soon, I think, uh, or so we've heard. And uh, you can check also Two Big Ears Spatial Workstation, at least for cinematic workflow, timeline based, I think works pretty well. Blue Ripple Sound, there's, there's many of them. And you were talking about immersing yourself in the community, I think that's essential. Um, we, we have a group on Facebook, it's called Spatial Audio for VR. You should join. It's it's a super active community, and you know it's 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 a place to start. And as you said, we're more than happy to help people out. You know? There's lots of blogs as well, like with experiences, blogs. Yeah. And, and the thing about that is in the immersion in the culture. I, I recommend that because it's constantly changing, right? It's a moving target. You can learn th about this today, but this tool is going to be completely different just two or three months later. 
and, and the, the industry is moving like this very quickly. So it's like hopping on a train. You know, you get on the train and say, I'm just going to ride this as long as I can. I'm constantly uh, educating myself right. uh, on, on what's new and, and what's around me. It's, uh, you know, it, it's effort. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's work. No it's even that said, it's definitely disruptive. Right. You know, and, and you, you, sound studios such as yours, the, the, the fact I think that you're succeeding, you're very nimble and you're one of the few studios that already had was already doing gaming yeah. and I, I come from a traditional post-production background and normally these kind of studios are very conservative and it, you know you have to be and you're obviously passionate about it but get into it and cross that line from Pro Tools or whatever DAW you're using to a gaming engine and am know, I correct to say just that, fail. Am I correct to say that we are basically making a video game from an audio standpoint based on tracking and you know, spatializing the audio based on the head tracking and stuff. I mean, are we, are we making a game, essentially, from, for VR video? Or, you know what I mean, from an audio standpoint? Well, sometimes, but okay. not always. Okay. Uh, there's many projects we do that I, I would call tradi traditional, listen to me, traditional cinematic VR. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, we're already How there. How about that <laughs> one? That's cool. It's funny because it's it's been two years for me already. So for some people are just jumping in now. It's uh, it has a ring to me <laughs> that that term, but uh, it's not really the right term. Anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is that that uh, um, that process would not use a game engine at all. Uh, and so the only time we're using game engines is when somebody explicitly says we want some interactivity in this piece and we can't get it from any of the SDKs that are out there. The kind of interactivity we want has to be done through a game engine. And, and at that moment, we have to get into a Unity environment or an Unreal environment. Typically, those two are the top ones that are being used. So certainly, that area is going to be gigantic. Gotcha. People are, you know, making, uh, uh, you know, Vive uh, experiences that are almost, you know, exclusively run in uh, in, in these environments. So uh, it's a, you know, it's a good place to start that way for sure. There'll be a lot of that going on. Thank you for your time, guys. So I have one thing else. Um, somebody from the audience gave me um, the AES, which you guys probably all know, um, is actually going to do an audio for virtual reality and augmented reality September 30th to October 1st in Los Angeles. So that would be like a really great opportunity to learn more. Awesome. Do you want to go? Hi. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you guys. Um, I'd like to know, the primary focus has so far been on uh, post-production, where you have all the time in the world to place things and, and uh, mix things and, and basically balance things against each other to really make the best experience you can. Um, my focus currently is, is trying to find solutions for live production, uh, live sporting events, uh, live concerts, that sort of thing. So any insight in, uh, from the DTS or Dolby perspective or any of you guys uh, into um, live production, especially when you're talking about ambisonics and having to uh, do that, uh, you know, at a at a fraction of a second to try and get your audio out to the listener. Well, I would say about live capture and audio in general is you have to. We were talking about before, but you have to get in at the very early stages of production. Sure. If you don't, then you can lose out. I can sort of give a, a scenario. There was a we were sort of collaborating on on a VR shoot for actually for a rock band. And we were asked literally a day before to help out. I got to the shoot, and the VR camera was actually mounted on a roving buggy. So you could only imagine the, the, the issues that that provides. I mean, as far as like you know, trying to negotiate with the director of photography to try and get our microphone even mounted on there in the first place, 
there's inherent issues with it moving around because how do you actually, you know, if you were to go back and do an object-based mix, how do you track all the different sources? And, and maybe your application is not quite as, as complicated, it sounds like, if it's sort of maybe a static position and, and whatnot. Um, but that basically, you kind of have to put your, put your head where the oh. mic's going to be and, and find out if that's going to be as interesting as it is visually. Because oftentimes the visual people will think, of course, think about them first. That looks great there. Does it sound good? Yeah, I would, from a live audio and live VR uh, streaming perspective, a couple of things. So one is what happens on the capture side, and then how do you fit to the existing broadcast workflows? And that's something we've been experimenting a lot, including this week. So I think our truck is still out there. So we've been doing a three-camera shoot with Ozo and spatial audio for all the camera positions. So you actually have a true spatial audio per camera that is then rendered into a regular 4K uh, broadcast system. And uh, that's been a huge learning and something we've seen that uh, is becoming you know, a requirement that you want to use VR, but you also want to use existing workflows because people don't want to invest through an end-to-end -end VR until the business is there. Uh, for the audio capture side, obviously there's a lot happening. So capturing ambient with cameras, plus then mixing different sources, doing dynamic tracking of those. All of this is coming into play, and depending on your requirements, uh, I think there are tools already existing, and you know, end-to-end -end solutions coming out, including the one we're now working on. I'll definitely echo what, what Yuri was just saying. I think there's a, a number of tools. I mean, we, you know, we're very interested, of course, in, in, in live uh, VR applications. I mean, Dolby has a strong history of broadcasting. So, um, so I mean, you can definitely look for for tools coming, you know, in in the you know in the next few months or or years that are going to work on you know all these problems, fusing different microphones into again a consistent viewpoint, uh, which is you know generally the viewpoint of one camera or maybe multiple cameras and be able to seamlessly switch between those different cameras, and you know an important point feeding into standard delivery workflows. I think that's critical for uh, you know. Even if you're not technically broadcasting like over the air, you know you're doing like OTT delivery. Um, I mean, still there's infrastructures that you you can't really go around, right? We actually only have time so for two more questions, um, but you can welcome to come up to the panelists and ask as we close. Um, hello, mine can be kind of brief because it's actually a follow-up to that, but I was. At wondering more in uh, a, a technical sense with narrative filmmaking, what sorts of changes are made in terms of um, the production crew, audio mixers, and, and the placement of mics? How is that um, going to look different, uh, so to speak? It's good. No, go ahead. Well, as you say, we position ourselves as sound directors, and it's not out of vanity. It's we don't have choice. The problem is. When you, there's probably a problem, a project he had to do and you would receive sound like we do normally in post and I'm sorry, I can't salvage your sound. It's impossible for me to turn this into VR. So um, obviously you mentioned the microphone, the spatial microphone, that, that's the big subject and congrats to us for being the first camera to actually incorporate audio in their camera. They're, they're the first to do it. It, it, it's important. But your main challenge is so those small GoPro rigs, or even the, the bigger ones that want to be full stereoscopic, it's tough to put that microphone uh, 
in there if, if it's capturing a full sphere of sound. So that's always tough negotiation. And, you know, you mentioned there's, uh, you know, if it's, if, it's on a, if, if it's moving, if it's on a buggy, you've got sound, you've got... And people don't actually realize these microphones capture everything. And when I mean everything, it's... So you need complete silence on, you know, on, on the shoot and... It, th these things you need to negotiate with. There's no boom anymore, but you do need to place, if, you know, obviously if you want to hear uh, a person talking, a character talking, you still need those lav mics and reposition them in space. And But I would say, as, as far as the shoot goes, that, that's about it. Yeah, from, from our perspective, it's been, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, basically, on sets. When we tr traditionally have not been, I, we've been in feature film for, you know, 26 years, and in all of those 26 years, we never ventured into the location sound aspect of it because it was so well established, and it was people specialized in this, and it was that's good. Well, VR is very different, and this is exactly what happened to us. We for our, the first project that we got, uh, we received tracks in from the location recordist. It it was a disaster. We could not. Well, let's put it this way: they were well recorded but near impossible to use. So, uh, so then we set about um, you know, developing our own systems for, uh, for uh, uh, capturing uh, rec you know, recorded audio on set. And it's, for us, it's redundant. We, we have redundant systems on the set, when, and in post-production, we make decisions about what we're going to use um, from you know, scene to scene, from shot to shot, uh, and we try and be uh, you know, as uh, stealth on the set as possible. That has its own set of, of uh, requirements that, you know, push the audio team into a corner. <laughs> uh, no, you know, it's, it's hard enough on a regular set, but on a VR set, it's, it's double hard because you can't be, be the camera's looking everywhere, right? We got nowhere to hide. Yeah. So, you know, we've become very inventive uh, about where we place microphones, the type of microphones that we use. Uh, and um, and you know how we process the uh, the microphones that are coming from cameras like like Ozo. And we we that's the only camera I know of that actually integrates. Uh, and um, you know how we uh, reconcile phase issues between uh, the the uh, the the Ozo camera microphones and lavaliers. Uh, you know it's a it's a real trick, especially when people are moving around. Uh, so yeah, it's changing uh, as we speak as we speak, and uh, you know, more tools are needed, yeah. Thank you, guys. Okay, one more question. Hi, I was just wondering um, what software you guys are using, if you can tell me, like as far as like Reaper, Pro Tools, Spook, Big Ears, WimWim, like what, what are you guys using right now besides the game engines? In post-production, you mean? Uh, yeah, in post-production, sorry. Well, it's uh, for us, uh, two big years, we have a relationship with Dolby. Uh, so we use Dolby tools. Uh, we uh, have been mixing in Dolby Atmos, uh, Cinematic Atmos, uh, and, uh, and, and Home Atmos as well. Um, but their, their tools for virtual reality are right around the corner uh, as well. So, uh, so we're using that. There's a, something called a Stound Sound, which we've used. We've actually been pleased with in the Unity environment. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we'll spatialize directly in Game Engine. Uh, we'll, um, use the actual game engine to spatialize uh, in Unreal, for example, um, depending on what the requirements are. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a few that, that we've hit anyway. And essentially you can use 
uh, you know, some existing tools as, you know, Dolby uh, uh, Cinematic, um, Dolby Atmos has been around for a while. And, uh, you know, they're, if there's content being created and, the, and they're interested in doing great audio, uh, you know, you may be able to develop a relationship with them so that they will enable you to produce that content. We can't wait to try Mac One, right? Yeah, I'm working on the SDK. Two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, it's all happening. Oh, I think there's a lot of different solutions happening, and a lot of the things he mentioned, like Wise, FMOD, working on spatialization in the engine, it's all customized based on what you are trying to achieve at this point with a lot of duct tape. <laughs> I have a flash. To come back to the location recording um, question, just a tip. Don't record with binaural microphones. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was unexpected. All right. I, I mean, think, I, think I, we'll I, end. I did it. I did it for years, right? It, it was useful back then, but it's important to understand that you want to do HRTF processing at decoding time, not, not burn it. I think we'll end on that note, right? <laughs> on a high note. Thank you very thank much. You. Please thank the panel.